This week on Kettle of Fish, actor Sean Whalen stops by to talk about living under the stairs. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the two hours of political foreplay. We've actually got the Wayne in here today, D and Fern. Are you guys ready to get fishy with it? Support, yay. Yay. I'm always right ready on. to get fishy with it, baby. You're talking about you three fish tanks. <laughs> a show really, really has, a guest really has to touch you, Dwayne, for you to stick around for Kettle of Fish. That's usually you yes. opt out. Yes. Yes. I, I, right. I, I just watched the recent YouTube video of him, him uh, referring to himself with uh, Steve Buscemi, and, and that touched me. I bet it did. <laughs> All right, so check it out. Today's guest is Mr. Sean Whalen. Uh, many of you might remember him from the Got Milk, the original Got Milk commercial. Most of you will remember him from the people under the stairs. And we said earlier today, in keeping with that, Dee has a new workstation actually under our stairs. You are under yes, our stairs right is. now. Because when you were in the it kitchen the or stairs. living room, yeah, I kept picking you up. So now you're under the stairs yeah. in the basement. Mm-hmm. You're yeah, like the kettle I, of fish version of Roach. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I absolutely am. Except I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm getting thirsty. I'm I'm getting a little lonely down here. I'm getting a little itchy. Even even the guy put the lotion in the basket had a Gatorade for him. Yeah, (laughs) I need to get a little basket to send down with her with like saltines and water. All right, let me get Sean in here. I'm very very impressed by all things Sean Whalen. Sean, what's up? Hey, how you guys doing? Man, we're doing great. Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you so I much to, for calling in today. I have to start today. off with a little nerd. Uh, I have to start off with a little nerd movie criticism, though. Okay. Roach never lived under the stairs. He escaped under the stairs and lived between the walls. Uh, but did you live right. under the stairs for a few moments? I'm trying to like. So no, I think you're trying to recover. I just, <laughs> yeah. That's like saying I probably I've lived broke. in there for at least maybe you know maybe a couple hours. So. I, 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 I acquiesce to you. You're, you're correct. <laughs> I'm going to be driving to Virginia, and I have to go through Tennessee. Just because I drive through Tennessee doesn't mean I actually live there. So I, I don't think that qualifies as living under the stairs. This sounds yeah. like a whole debate. Well, I, I, that mean, I, I, don't, I live, you know, he escaped from under the stairs, but he probably, you know, what do we call, now we have to get into what do we call living? Maybe having a meal, taking a nap. He might have done those things under the stairs. I, I always, I always, I always if I sit, if I'm in a place long enough to experience self love, then I say I live there. So Fern, look out. Uh, okay. I'm always looking out with binoculars, Dwayne. Okay. All right. So, so, it's, so you know, if that's the criteria, we can't say he lived under the stairs. He was proud to make his home under the walls and just, I mean, between the walls and dis, and disturb the uh, owners of the house. Sean, your argument is so yeah. nuanced. I should make you one of the co-hosts for Ignorance Equation. You really brought it to me. <laughs> I don't Man. even know what Ignorance Equation is. 
It's our um, pre-political show we do before Kettle of Fish. And we do this show Hi. to wind down because we're usually screaming at each other for two hours about politics. There you go. I'm so, glad I that. No offense. <laughs> no, I'm taken. And we'll open up like a little chat about this, and we'll get everybody on Facebook to go to war and Twitter. Well, Twitter wars over this for the next two months on whether you live yeah. under the stairs or not. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say people – well, well, okay. So if you want to even go further – in the yeah. movie, I'm running around. I take, I, I pull, you know, fool through the bathroom mirror. I'm running around, and I show him my quote-unquote home in the wall. It has a little bed. It has some Christmas lights. It has a little thing, and that's you know, in the walls. So nicer than my bedroom, by the way. Found his home. What's that? Nicer than my bedroom, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was pretty resourceful. Roach was it's a resourceful guy. people who live under the overpasses in L.A. They have, like, beds and mattresses and dresser yeah. drawers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, I was a camp counselor, and I lived under a tree. Uh, uh, my, my kids were in tents, and that was in college, and I lived under a tree. I had a tree, and I raked out a little area next to my bed, and I put little stones around it, and I put an old, old dresser drawer there some of the best sleep I've had in my entire life. So this is kind of, of an exclusive. Probably, probably like because I was drunk. Probably because I was drunk, you know, after <laughs> the uh, camp counselor's party. Were you like so less saying, WKRP it, where you had your little stone uh, door and all that and walls around you too? No, no walls. It was literally like under a tree. <laughs> it was There were two tents where my, my boys age seven and nine were. And right next to the tent was this little cle- – I cleared out a little area and had a little bed and and uh, lived and put the little bureau there. And so it was like a, this little outdoor area. But, man, it was up in the California mountains. It was such great sleep. I had a great time. So what Sean Whalen is saying is you have a long, rich history of living under things. Yes. Well, again, under in the, or between, I mean, you know. I'm not going to say un- I'm going to say under the tree, but I'm not going to say under the stairs because I think he escaped. You know, I'm going to say between the walls. All right. That's well, why, this sounds like a battle for another was, day. Then. Well, that's also why he was, you know, different, and you know, because my screen time in that movie is very short. If you clock well, it, it doesn't in, it's probably, seem like it though, and that's the amazing thing about like the movie. It doesn't seem. It seems yeah. like you're the main star of the movie. Everyone remembers Roach. Everyone remembers Fool. And I just yeah. went back and watched the movie, and I've got it on DVD. And I go back yeah. and watch. I haven't watched it in a few years, and it's amazing how much that movie holds up. Yeah, it's an odd film, and I and I have another thing that I always say that that why it's so strange and unique is that it's uh, the only movie that had a. Uh, Happy ending. Yeah. And, and the horror movies that have happy endings. Well, universally, that movie is a two-movie set. It's a Wes Craven set, and it comes with Shocker on it. So I watch people under the stairs, oh, right. and I watch Shocker, and I'm like, well, Shocker doesn't hold up at all. And then I watch people oh, really? under the stairs, and I'm like, man, this movie, like, this is the old battle of, like, the rich oligarchs that are tearing yep. up the yep. urban area. And Roach yep. is kind of like the underdog hero that lives like he's the ultimate yeah. like underdog that's taking these guys down just with wit. They have all the power, yet yeah. you've got all the wit. You're between the walls, and right. you're just kind of just subversing everything they're trying to do, right? Right. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, my God, he built that intricate system where he has the, the, the ramp where he dumps the dog down and, you know, and, and you know, drives the guy crazy and, you know, helps Alice and, you know, he, he, he knows what's going on. I always thought, you know, because people have always said, you die too early in that movie. And I said, look, the only rewrite I would have done if I was in that movie long, instead of it just being Fool and Alice, you know, getting out of there by themselves, if Fool, Alice, and Roach would be, he gets there, he gets to the top, they're about to leave out that window at the top floor, and Roach can't leave, you know? He's too scared. And so he'll die ultimately, you know, anyway, but he doesn't know how to live, live, live outside in the real world anymore. See, I would have played it different. I would have had you leave the property and then flash 20 years later and you own a coffee shop, like a chain of coffee shops, and you totally (laughs) sold out and played the game. I think that would have been great. Well, well, here's my question. You sound so excited. Your character's so excited about being under the stairs and it seemed like such a good life. Why is it when I tell my kids I'm going to put them under the stairs in the basement, they start to call child abuse service? I, I don't get Again, I'm being technical. They might enjoy between the walls more than under the stairs. That's all. That's just my I'm going to try, I'm gonna try that. I, I'm yeah, between the walls, they've got places to go. They can, you know, squeeze through the laundry room and squeeze through the, you know, you know, peek out a little. They can squeeze. They can peek out a little vent. I mean, there's more to do between the walls than under the stairs. And, you know, Roach was a mover and a shaker, and he, he just couldn't stay in one place. Very comforting, almost like being in a room. You're like in this little wall crawl space, and it is yeah. very small and comforting. I get it yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, is it you, Temple Grandin does, the, you know, the, does the little animal, the hug or whatever, you know, Tom, you know, same thing. Sean, you just added a whole new layer to this movie. I'll never watch it in the same <laughs> lens that I watched it the first 12 That's times. That's right. Thank well, you for that. I don't think that. anyone in the world has those Hollywood walls that are, you know, Five feet thick, either, <laughs> and the crawl space. Yes, yeah, I noticed that too. That's also we have to a thought that was that belief. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, hey, let me ask you this because I dug into the whole world of um, Sean Whalen. I'm looking at different okay. interviews. I'm looking at different people talk about you, and there's one yeah. running theme. It's like, oh, well, yeah. Sean. You know, of course they say you're a great actor. You're great to work with, but they also say you're such a cool guy. You're such a nice guy. You're such a down to earth guy. I read one interview that was like he doesn't even realize his contribution to the movie industry and to his fans, and you talked a bit on that. And as I'm kind of reading this, I was wondering, end of the day, for Sean Whalen, when you go to bed, is it more important to you to be remembered as like this down-to-earth guy who works so well with others, or is it more important for your career and your work to speak for itself? Like, how do you kind of I mean, I think you want – look, I always use the J-Lo argument. You know, which is, to me, she was in uh, Out of Sight with George Clooney, Steven Soderbergh movie, such an amazing actress. Like, we hadn't had, you know, we had our Selma Hayek or whatever, but she was coming up as, like, the most, a solid, solid Latina actress, and I was like, wow, she's amazing and such a good actress. But then she had to turn into J-Lo, you know, because she wanted more. And, you know, so she was big and popular. But I haven't heard the nicest things about working with her or anything. So it's kind of disappointing, you know. So I would say that was my thing. You know, do you want respect? Do you want your work to show for itself? 
you know? And and I think you, you want to have both. I mean, I, you know, look, we have a weird, some guy that uh, was saying, you know, oh, you're this, you're that. And I was like, look, man, I'm a normal guy with a weird job. I, you know, and the fun and the amazing part that people don't understand is, you know, you, I don't know how many job interviews you've been in your life, but I go on, you know, a hundred or so a year. <laughs> and wow. that's, that's a hard thing to do, you know, because you have no real control over if you get cast or not. So the only thing you can control is how you prepare and do that work and audition and how you are on the set. And, yeah, I think it's real important to know, you know, to think, who wants the asterisk? You know what I mean? Who wants to say, you know, hey, you know, I'm sure Jayla's listening and she's going to get her people after me. But who wants to say, like, wow, she's a great actress and a great dancer, but, you know, she lip-synced on American Idol where she's a judge, and she's not nice to anyone she works with that I've heard. Who wants that asterisk to say, oh, Sean's really good in these movies, but I heard he's a jerk. You know what I mean? And that's what you hear all the time in town. Because the costume people and the makeup people, they know everything. So to me, I think it's more important the kind of father I am, the kind of friend I am, the kind of uh, person I am, the kind of boyfriend I am, my girlfriend, you know, things like that. You know? Nice. And that that makes you stand out. That's why they're writing these articles about you. And I think that's important, and, and I've been surprised, like, I know Dwayne's been surprised, because when we first started doing this, he's like, well, I know, like, a lot of Hollywood actors are going to be stuck up and stuff, but I've kind of found that there's a lot more people that share your mind frame than go oh, totally Hollywood, right? No, it, it's a very, it's, it's very rare to find, you know, there are a few that I've heard nightmare stories, but look, man, if you're working, you realize how lucky you are to work in a in a business when i started out i had no clue i'm i was thank god i was so clueless because if i would have known the odds and thought about the odds or thought about you know then you don't do it but if you just keep plugging away you know cluelessly and move on and stuff the only thing you can do is is be easy to work with uh pleasant to work with and and i've walked away from people and going wow i've never met someone so cool in my life and Clint, I worked with Clint Eastwood and that was amazing and I worked with Dennis Franz on NYPD Blue who was the most generous actor I've ever met I mean and and that sticks with you more than their work you know and when I run into no, people no. who haven't been that nice to me it's actually colored me seeing their work in the future wow like, now, have you a, worked with Steve Buscemi have you started working no. with Steve Buscemi? Because in that video, I mean, that picture isn't very flattering. I mean, was that like the... No, 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 no. I, no, I would love to... Well, I wanted to use a real picture, but you just can't. You're not allowed to. So uh, I was going to use a real picture, Steve Buscemi, but I guess on YouTube it's very strict on its lot. So yeah, wow. I've learned that. Yeah, I couldn't use a real one. So... Um, I contacted the artist who drew that picture and said, hey, can I use this in this video? That's the only reason I used it. I wasn't looking for an unflattering picture, you know? Well, on that topic, I mean, I just want to say on that video, I loved you in Twisted Sisters' We're Not Gonna Take It video where you were the dad, and I also loved you in Animal House where you played the ROTC guy. Or am I thinking of somebody else again? I'm just You're thinking of someone else completely. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Hey, exactly. let me ask you this though about your YouTube channel because you've got those rage videos, and I know uh, most of them are political, but you do have one about like oh, and I, it was brilliant. I love the one about the guy whining and he's whining through life, the kid that's trying to get the cereal, and you're raising these little whiners. And you know, yeah. I just wrote an article on Mark um, Rufio um, endorsing Bernie Sanders, and the uh-huh. comment thread was like, "How dare these actors!" have a political opinion, just act and entertain us. It's kind of like dance, monkey, dance. And it it is kind of a risky proposition as an entertainer when you put your political opinion out there because you're held to a a scrutiny that I feel like the average guy is not held to, and I think that's wrong. Yeah, well, that's why I I kind of don't. If you see my posts on Twitter, I just don't. I just don't do it. It's it's it's, It's not what this it's about. You know, that's not what we're here to do. And if I was in a position where I could or would, then, yeah, then maybe I would, you know. I mean, I'm a Springsteen fan, and I've seen people say, you know, I saw comment threads where he, they said, I will never go to a concert of his again because he did it, you know. But he made a choice, you know. I, you know, he's not losing any fans. I mean, he's still making tons of money, so he's fine. And, you know, but... I I I just don't think it's useful um, for me to engage in that in those dialogues publicly because it just it's not really that's not what I'm about at this level. But I think when you can help and have influence and you can have a cause, you know, like I I saw Leonardo DiCaprio when he was uh, when he was um, promoting uh, what's the the Gilbert Wolf, Wolf, well, no, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, okay, gotcha. And he was the look. His whole thing was like, "Look, man, I'm just lucky. <laughs> you know, I'm just lucky. I know there's actors out here that are just as talented as me, but I got lucky. You know, and and then he made smart moves in his career. You know, uh, but you know he has his cause, environmental causes or whatever. But if you can help, and if you can help, and you, with something you feel passionate about. I think it's fine, but at my level, uh, it's not worth it, you know? Yeah, that, and that's a shame. That makes sense. I think that's a shame, because I would really like well, to Well, I mean, I don't, is, is Facebook really a place for us to have a dialogue over this kind of stuff? I mean, I don't think so. I don't, I'm not, I don't know anyone who goes, you know what, I really like this candidate, but now after I was on Facebook for an hour, I'm completely changed. <laughs> you know? You'd be Everyone surprised how many people get changed by Facebook. Uh, back and forth you and think back so? and forth. I really? see it all the time. Think, I'm in the political people... arena. And I'll give you okay. a good example. I know a girl who posted every day, and I thought she was involved in politics. I thought she was politically aware. And every day she posted okay. these anti-Obama things. Obama, socialist, okay. Obama, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, I don't agree with her, but at least she's involved. And then she posted a thing, and she and they're just memes. She doesn't post an opinion. She just posts a meme. And then she right. um, posts this thing, and she's like, and this is fairly far into the primary. She goes, I got a call saying vote for Ben Carson. Who's Ben Carson? And somebody was uh. like, at the time, he was really one of the top runners. He's yeah, like, well, he's right, like second place right now in the primary. And she goes, oh, shows you how much I know about politics. Well, damn, right. you post every day about it. How do you post? I wouldn't post about motorbikes every day if I knew nothing about right. motorbikes. So, yes, yeah. I, I yeah. think you're underestimating just kind of how callous and indifferent people are to politics. 
No, no, no. I'm actually saying that, that they don't change their – she obviously didn't know. But my point – you actually reiterated my point. I guess my point is let's say I'm pro-Obama and you're anti-Obama and we get into it on Facebook. The chances of me changing your mind on Facebook okay, be, gotcha. and you changing my mind are very slim. That's what I mean. I don't yeah. think that Facebook is the place you, – you, everybody who's on Facebook just digs into the trenches and it just goes on and on and on and on. You know what I mean? Because it's not no, a no. real dialogue. I got you now. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That's what true. I mean. And that, and, and, you're, and that girl makes the point. She just she heard these things, and she just wants to repeat them and regurgitate them, but it's not really actually well-informed. You know? Yes. So I why engage? Will... Now, go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. No, 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 that's what I meant. So why engage with people like that who just said – anyone who says blanket statements – you know, my, ex, my ex-mother-in-law was a Democrat, and it was like everything she said, no matter who. There was never any Republican that idea, thought, anything that could be right because they were Republican. Do you know what I mean? And no, that's, I mean, I know That's exactly. what I feel. That's what's going on on Facebook. I see it all the time. I want to switch gears because this is our comedy yep. show. Um, I want to talk about it's Dorothy. It's been hilarious years so far. Later. We're talking about <laughs> Gutbuster, definitely. Um, Dorothy, 50 yeah. years later, I put it on her yeah. Kittle of Fish page. My co-host, Fern oh, Saul, she can't shut up about it. She loved it. I, <laughs> Who loved Fern, it? ring in here. Oh, Go my ahead. God, Sean. I, you're talking to somebody who has been obsessed with The Wizard of Oz since I was a kid. I, you know, I'm 38 okay. years old now. I'll disclose my age. I don't care. You get to a certain yeah. point, you don't care. But, I yeah. mean, to the point to where when I opened up my email address, and I still have the same email address, so if any of you fans hear something out there you don't like, you can direct the hate mail to littlerubyslipper at yahoo.com, <laughs> although you can also direct it to Dwayne's hate mail because he's used to getting it. Yeah. Um, but I'm obsessed with this. And when Nick posted this, I was like, I have to dig into this. I have to look at it. It is so dark okay. and so twisted, and that is exactly how my brain works. Coupled with my obsession of Wizard of Oz, this is, like, totally my wheelhouse. Um, oh, I saw the awesome. second one that you did. Awesome. Yes. Completely sick, and I love it. It is just – it's great. So I want to applaud you. How did you – like – what prompted that? What spurred that on? What made you think this is going to be a good idea to show Dorothy smoking cigarettes, drinking, cursing? I mean, well, it's, it's beautiful. Well, because I uh, uh, – sorry to interrupt. The, um, the idea came because I um, had just seen – it was like the 25th edition when they remastered it. Uh-huh. Um, it was in the early – late 80s, early 90s. They did some big revamp or, or did, did some, I don't know, they relaunched it in theaters because they were able to do something technically to it to make it look better. And so my friend and I went and saw it at a theater. And at the very end, you know, my friend, oh, it's so great. It was so awesome. And I was just like, and I don't know why it hit me that night, but I was like, that, that sucks. Like, that absolutely sucks. And they're like, what are you talking about? I go, the main thing is there's two old people who won't be around for too much longer, are not her parents. She lived, She wanted to get home to a crappy dust bowl, and she uh, and everyone thinks she's crazy because she says, and you, and you, and you were there, and they all go, <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure we were, you know, um, and they think she's nuts, and 
so I was like, God, what is this? What's going to happen to this woman if she never wants to leave her backyard? If she's just going to, everyone's going to think she's crazy because she's going to try to explain this to more people and feel good about it. But everyone's going to go, feel good about what? You bumped your head and you went insane, you know? And <laughs> so I just thought, like, it would be really funny to do her 50 years later, which ironically, which is. I, I mean, I've, I'm from Maryland. John Waters is from Maryland. I saw his one-man show, and he actually does a bit about exactly my thoughts. He goes, you know, he was saying how awful he thought it was and that she's probably going to be like a crack whore and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to send this to him. So I have to figure out a way for him to see it because, I, it's, you know, I'm not the only one who had the idea. Both two Maryland boys had the same idea. I don't know how or why. But I did it at the Groundlings Theater as a sketch um, back when I was in the Groundlings. And a good friend of mine, Tim Bagley, he's a really great character actor. I was doing it more jokey, and he just said, just be her. So the original sketch was me talking to a paperboy um, who was coming up the street. And I'm like, excuse me. And it was me by myself, but no one else, you know, it was like, hey, Tommy, you know, give me the paper. Give me the paper. And, you know, she's looking for the tornado and all this other stuff. And, uh they cut out a part in the movie, we cut it out in the short, where all these kids drive by and throw apples at her. And they go, <laughs> go away, we're the, cra- we're the trees in the, in the, on the yellow brick road. <laughs> She's like, get out of here, I'll pour a bucket of water on you and take your shoes. <laughs> Says genius. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was uh, uh, that idea. And so then when YouTube was coming out, stuff, uh, the very talented Brandon Trost, who does all of Seth Rogen's movies and all this, um, he loved the sketch too. And he took me up to this place. I mean, it looks beautiful. He found this great little place up in the uh, California mountains, and he just we we I think we did it in 45 minutes because I you know I knew them all. Wow. So that was it. I think we yeah I think we did like three takes and that was it. And then that's we Im- just pieced it impressive. together. Yeah. Now, how did this get turned I mean, into something full length? Because I know that this thing went well, viral, and there are so many fans of it. Like it seems like by well, now. Well, I mean, it's only ten thousand hits, which isn't, you know, in viral world, people, you know, people don't even bat their eyes till you hit like a million or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe it's because of the language. She cusses a lot, you know. It's but that's what makes it brilliant. Stuck in a vase, you know. <laughs> but look, I've always had an idea. I'd love to do it as a um, – I've sketched a whole, you know, series on um, – what's the late-night cartoon network? Uh, Adult Swim. Yeah, Adult Swim, you know, and and just do a, like a, a little thing about her trying to get back to Oz where she goes to a – she goes she gets a lab, job at a lab, so she tries to get uh, get the dove and a monkey and tries to have them screw each other or like – try to dig, get them genetically modified so the monkeys can fly and fly her back. She, like, interrupts a hot air balloon wedding so she can try to, you know, get them wow. to take her back to Oz. You know, the bump and run idea, I told, because Danny Roebuck, you know, the actor in the bump and run, he was like, this is hilarious, and he said, I want to be a part of it. Please let me be a part of it. Oh, yeah. And so he wrote and directed that one, um, the bump and run one. And, I mean, you know, that was kind of the idea where it could go, just following her around as she tries to find her way back to Oz. And everybody just thinks she's insane. You know, then there was another idea for, like, a horror movie, like people who made fun of her, 
would slowly die by, you know, her cramming straw up there, you know, in all their body parts till they die and stuff like that. So, but well, I never, I mean, you're, you know, we, you're not a horror fan per se, though, right? Like, didn't I read no, somewhere? Not no, I, yeah, because I just can't. I was the kid who, like, my daughters got scared. My my one daughter's got scared of Jurassic Park, you know, and that was me. I couldn't. I could not watch. You know, uh, um, Night Gallery, you know? My older sister would want to watch it, and I would sneak out and watch it, and then, of course, I'd be up late having nightmares and wake up my family. (laughs) So Yeah. And that's why uh, it's important. Like, Wes Craven's so brilliant at it. I mean, like, People Under the Stairs is a horror movie, but it's kind of not really a horror movie. Not really, no. And I think that's what makes his, like, movie so brilliant, except for, like, there's some dark stuff, like Serpent in a Rainbow. That's definitely not kid-friendly. But there's a yeah. lot of stuff that he puts out, like, and that's the kind of horror movies I like watching that have, like, dark humor interwoven into the plot. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can agree. make those kind of, like, different variations in the role because you, you're not taking yourself so seriously. Hey, let me ask you this because we've got to wind this up. So let me kind of sure. shift gears again. You're on Star Trek. I saw that. I'm reading your IMDb, and it's I incredible. One. I did one. You yeah. did one Star Trek, and I'm a very big Star Trek fan. And it just got me to wondering, when you're a fan of somebody, somebody's work, or you're a fan of a particular franchise, and you go in an audition, does this amp up the stress level? Like, I'm, I I love Star Trek. I've got to get on Star Trek. Or is it just all like um, the working day of Sean Whalen? No, I mean, of course, of course, it brings a little heightened level to it. I've had, you know, fans of directors, whatever, where you got a little more nervous or a little more stressed. Or, yeah, absolutely, because you want to be a part of it. I, I remember trying out for Wizards of Waverly Place because my daughters loved the show, you know, and I got on it, and it was great. They got to come to the set. They met Selena Gomez, you know, and I was like, oh, I really, really want this, you know, and uh yeah, but there's been some movies where, you know, you want it so bad you kind of get too nervous and you don't do your best stuff or, you know, but I, you know, you ha- you have to try to put all that aside, you know, you really do. Like, I really wanted the Clint Eastwood movie, but I mean, you at the, this day and age, you know, you have, I've done this so long, you have to walk in, there's a great Brian Cranston quote online, he goes, go in there, do what you do, show them what you're selling. And then leave because everything else has nothing to do with you. Has to do with oh, uh, you know, I met Rob Reiner. I was going to play, you know, uh, Aiden Quinn's brother. And he goes, you know what? You were fantastic. You were great. I thought you were perfect. But you don't like anything like Aiden Quinn. And then I walked out, and there was another character actor who got the part, who is a good, great character actor, but he looks like Aiden Quinn. And I went, okay, I'm done. And that guy got the part. You know what I mean? So do you need that kind of separation so you don't feel disappointed? I mean, yeah. do you ever walk well, out of these it, it, things? Well, it, yeah, you have to. It's, it's, it has nothing to do with you. The only thing you can control, like you said at the beginning, to you know, bring it back is are you a good person to work with? Do you take it seriously? And that's it, you know? I mean, and then, and then how good you do in the room, you know? How much, you know, do you feel good about what you did? But they might already have an offer out to someone else by the time I walk in the room. I've literally been in auditions where I'm sitting in the waiting room, and they're talking about, well, we're waiting for an offer for the role of you know, Jerry, and there's like 10 guys sitting there reading for the role of Jerry. And they're like, and we want Andy Samberg from Saturday Night Live. You know, 
So that's yes. the thing. You can't really take it seriously. You have to just go in there and do what you do and then step out, you know? All right. Well, let's wrap up with this. I want to talk about your coming projects. Once again, I'm checking out your IMDb. You are a journeyman actor, as William Sanderson always says. You're everywhere. Yeah. You've, I mean, I loved you on Superstore. I really, really loved you as Lion McPole on um, It's Always Sunny in Philly. Uh, That's one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. television shows. And yeah. like walking into that, I don't know what it was, eighth or ninth season, that's got to be unsettling, 11. right? Eleven seasons. Well, I was, I never really watched the show. My daughter really? loved the show. My my entire family watched the show, and I had not really ever watched. Again, it's. I mean, right now, right now, TV is too much. It's, there's so many good shows. Unless you have like no life and you can just sit there and watch, binge watch every single show. There's just so much good TV out right now, you know. So it's hard to catch up. So it wasn't like I didn't like the show or anything. I just thought, oh, you know, this is one of the ones I should watch, but I just don't have time, you know, put on the list. And uh, yeah, it was. It was it, that wasn't intimidating now because everyone was really, really nice. It was really fun, and you know, I watched a few before I went on set, and that was really cool. And yeah, it was, that was fun. I mean, once you get there, you've got the job. So <laughs> that's the part that's nice, you know? So then, yeah. it's, then it's all doing the job and playing and having fun. So, I mean, I wasn't nervous on, you know, just meeting Clint Eastwood. I was thrilled to meet Clint Eastwood. You know what I mean? So, well, I mean, you're looking at it as an adventure, too, and I don't feel like everybody's yeah. kind of hardwired to go into it as like this is the next great adventure. I think a lot of people get it stuck in their own head, and it's got to be unsettling yeah. for them. Yeah, and it can be, and, I, and I've had experiences where, you know, I've blown auditions or whatever because I like I wanted to be a part of it so bad. But then, you know, as you look back, you go, well, probably I didn't do well because they wanted me to read for the first audition – they read a part for me that was right for me, and the second audition was one that wasn't. And right, so right. I was trying to do a part that just I wouldn't have gotten anyway in any movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, I, and, and then when you're in the business long enough, you're also been in the one that they go, wow, they, the casting people don't really know what they're doing. Instead of taking it personally, you go, wow, they really don't know what they're doing. Because the script says this, but they want me to do this. And it makes no sense. And you know, I think that separation so is what keeps you down yeah. to earth because you're not always like, oh my God, there's like self doubt, or I gotta. You're not trumping it like I've got to make it to the next level, winning, winning, winning. Because you see a well, lot of guys kind of break down. A lot of people do that. Yeah. Well, they do that at the beginning, you know. But once you've been in it long enough, you're not gonna last if you do that. You can't. In any job, if what if you had a panic attack every time you were about to go on the air? Yeah, and like oh my god, we have to get new viewers, and if we don't get new viewers, I mean, you know, you guys wouldn't be able to have this conversation. You know what I mean? That is so true. All right, let's wrap this up because we are going way over. Um, Dwayne, oh, Farm, do you have anything? Oh no, you're cool. We love having you on. No, and that's why I, I we're going way I'm over. On, I'm on uh, at that at that guy SMW on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram, same moniker. I do coaching and Skype coaching as well. Yeah. I've had, uh, I do acting coaching, so if people want to get in touch with me on either of those places or my uh, Facebook page, just Sean Whalen, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to coach. I'd love to give back to young actors, and so that's – and then, you know, Superstore is coming up next season, so. Yes, yes, we have Nico on here. Thank you. Let me finish real quick. I want to thank you for – 
a few months ago or a couple months ago, and he was like, this was before it got picked up for second season. And I told him, I said, this show is absolutely getting picked up for second season. Superstore yeah. is the best new comedy show on TV. That show is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It's, it's, good uh, it's really, really good. I just good. want to thank you for restoring my faith that there are down-to-earth, truly good people who are actors and in, in uh, who are stars. You're one of them, and I appreciate talking to you and having you on here. I, oh, I my appreciate God. you. I, I, I feel – when I hear that, I just feel bad that are you, you know, are you guys interacting with people who aren't? That's a shame to me. You I know? just read a lot of TMZ, and I just watch – see a lot of That's TMZ your first and how stars – Behave badly, things like that. Yeah. Let's put it this way. When I got divorced, I got on TMZ, and they didn't tell the truth. So it wasn't even true. I know. You know? I told you. Don't believe that That's my little guilty pleasure, though. So I I agree with you. Enjoy it. I'm I'm saying enjoy it, but don't believe it. Yeah. Well, you can also look at how much higher above all the others you are now in my mind. So just look at it that way. Because of TMZ, you are now on a pedestal with me. My my le- the lesson that I've learned I worked with Tom Hanks Tim Burton Clint Eastwood uh, Ang Lee and the higher and bigger these people are the cooler they are Alec Baldwin I mean the nicer the bigger they are usually the nicer they are because they get it it's always the small time directors who are like ah it have to be this way you know they're all like you were saying before too stressed out over the wrong things. Yeah, yeah. But the big um, guys are great. So I appreciate this conversation. I've never had an interview like this, and it was really fun. Nice. I want to hit one more thing before you walk out the door because I love all superheroes must die. The sequel. Oh, I, wow. What's going on with that? When is that coming out? I don't it's, see any uh, kind of release. Follow, follow Jason Jatro. Uh, I think he's at the Jatro on Twitter, and he'll and or Jason Wayne Tross is his fan page. He'll be he's it's all about him and his distribution. So I it's it's his baby, so I don't know. I don't know when he's uh gonna release it, you know. But right. he will get it released. He is he is you know, he, he's pretty tenacious, so righty, Sean, thank you so much for spending a Sunday afternoon with us. This has been an absolute no pleasure problem. for all of us. Thanks guys. Keep in touch. All right, we sure will. All righty, everybody, that is it for Kettle of Fish. We'll be back in two weeks with our 100th episode and the winner of the Kettle of Fish contest. Everybody say Uh, goodbye. Congratulations on that, guys. Yeah. Bye-bye. Thanks, Sean. All right, bye, Bye. guys.